Audrey, and you're listening to Sagwood's podcast. And radio show. With, With our dad, Jeff Shulman. I'm Jeff Shulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and it is my pleasure to bring you another episode of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show. With an explosion of COVID-19 case numbers and recent restrictions intended to curb the spread of the virus, the stories of personal and professional adaptation in this season of Seattle Growth Podcast have become all the more important. Many businesses yet again find themselves in a fight for survival, with major disruptions to their business for the foreseeable future. And while the virus creates a profound sense of isolation, especially in these fall months, you are not alone. Today, you will hear stories from two industries hit hard by the pandemic, retail and restaurants. The interviews were recorded before the recent spike in cases and subsequent restrictions on businesses and social gatherings, but these interviews give a sense of hope that this next round of challenges can be overcome. In my first interview, Lisa Bridge, the president and CEO of Ben Bridge Jeweler, discusses how her retail business adapted to the pandemic. She opens up about the emotional and financial toll of the damage to her company's downtown locations and compares weathering the pandemic in Seattle to other cities in which Ben Bridge Jewelers operates. In my second interview, I talked to restaurateur Bernie Garcia, the president of Moctezuma's Restaurants, who is recognized as one of Puget Sound Business Journal's 40 Under 40. Garcia shares how he connected with his customers during the shutdown and adapted his operations to emerge stronger than ever. He offers lessons that could be applied by any business facing a dramatic shift in the business environment. Both guests discuss the changes they've seen in Seattle and what they hope for the future of the city. I was able to conduct safe, socially distanced interviews thanks to the kind folks at KBFG Radio. Combined, these interviews give lessons of resilience and offer distinct perspectives on the changes in Seattle. The stories offer insights that could help you build the future that you want to see for yourself, your business, or your community. If you've been enjoying this season, please let me know by leaving a five-star review for Seattle Growth Podcast on Apple Podcasts or reaching out to me on Twitter at Prof Shulman. I've been motivated to keep bringing diverse voices to you by the fans who have expressed what this podcast has meant to them. So reach out to me on Twitter at Prof Shulman, give a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, share the podcast with friends and colleagues, and let's keep this energy going through the new year. With the challenging road ahead, I think we all need to hear how others navigated the first wave of the pandemic as we chart our path for navigating this coming wave. Now, to learn about how retail can adapt to the pandemic, join me in my conversation with Lisa Bridge. I'm here with Lisa Bridge, the president and CEO of the iconic jeweler, uh, Ben Bridge Jewelers here in Seattle and around the country. Lisa, thank you very much for joining me today. Delighted to be here. So why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm fifth generation in our business. And so we've been in downtown Seattle uh, for, for a very long time, for 108 years. Uh, but we're kind of the funny combination because we're no longer family owned. We're part of Berkshire Hathaway. And so we really get the best of both worlds to be part of this wonderful organization, but also still have a very much a family feeling and still be family run. And we're going to talk about Seattle and all the, the, the changes here that we're here to talk about. But first, maybe go a little bit deeper into Benbridge Jewelers. Uh, what's kind of your niche or your positioning, so to speak? Why do people go there? Definitely. We're all about being your personal jeweler. And so we have wonderful associates, really longtime 
people who are passionate about taking care of their customers and building long-term relationships, really knowledgeable. I mean, we have more certified gemologists than anybody else in the country. And it really speaks to the professionalism that our people have and want to continue and grow. And something that we're able to offer to our customers. You know, our heritage is in watchmaking. And so my great-great-grandfather, the founder of our company, uh, came to Seattle following the railroad because around the turn of the century, uh, the railroads had to have their, the conductors had to have their pocket watches serviced and certified every year to make sure they were keeping accurate time. And so he journeyed across the country uh, servicing all of those pocket watches for train conductors. Seattle was the end of the line, so he set up shop in downtown Seattle. And so definitely still have a strong watchmaking, watchmaking connection. And so jewelry is in retail seems like the pandemic is, is fairly challenging uh, on multiple dimensions for your business. Can you talk a little bit about how you've been coping with the pandemic? Uh, maybe let's start professionally and then if you want to also share personally as well. It's been a, it's been a challenging time. Having physical stores is uh, a unique challenge in, in the pandemic. And so making sure that we're putting the processes in place to you know, be able to operate safely, to take care of our people, which is always our first priority. Uh, and so it's been a unique challenge. Uh, it's also been a challenge being across many different cities and states. Each place has a different set of regulations, and so trying to adhere to all of those, um, but also set our own high standards for, for caring for our people. Uh, it's been wild to, to manage through. Um, at the onset of this pandemic, I had my first child, uh, and it was from, uh, from my hospital bed that, that I made the decision to close our stores. At that time, thought it was only going to be a couple weeks long and that everything would be okay. Uh, little did we know we'd be here this many months later, uh, still, still managing through. Uh, so it's been a, a challenging period, but also a time that's really um, caused us to look at our values and, and look at what is our value proposition and how can we enhance that? How can we grow that? And, and that's going to be the, the path forward. And aside from navigating the different regulations across cities, has there been any other business challenge that you feel pretty proud of how you've navigated what the pandemic has been for Benbridge? You know, it's been an opportunity to, to evolve our experience, to move forward on initiatives that probably would have taken us a long time to get to, the investments in technology, the commitment from all of our people to, to advance those, uh, those pieces. How can we be as personal and connected to our customers uh, as ever um, when we close our doors? And so I've been really proud that even in places like for California, we had two months where we were able to have our associates in the store, but couldn't have our doors open to our customers. And still we were doing business because we were still connecting with our customers, reaching out, um, you know, whether it was through virtual conversations, whether they were phone calls, um, whether it was curbside, things that we've never tried before. But now we've leapt into this new era of, of service in, in a whole new way. So speaking of the pandemic, has it brought any other changes or shifts that are affecting your business? One area that we've seen good growth is in, in engagements. I think that a lot of people, when they were going through this time, they were quarantined together, decided, all right, if we made it through this, we can make it through anything. And so we're seeing great growth in, in the engagement, the bridal space. Um, and we have a really fun offering um, 
our exclusive Bella Ponte and their beautiful styles, but also really focused on customization, which is a big trend in, in customers today, wanting things to be so much of their own. And so through hologram technology and, and creating something exclusively for you, we're really excited about what we're able to offer our, our customers and, and really capture this moment and capture it in a way that will last forever. And now you operate businesses in, in cities around the country. I'm curious about what uh, aspects of Seattle has made navigating through the pandemic better than it could otherwise be. I think there's a sense, there's an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, here we're up in the northwest corner of the, the country. I think people underestimate us and, and we have this pioneering spirit in the city. And I think that has really put us in good stead. Um, that we are we are hardy and resilient and and will navigate our way through it. And are there aspects of Seattle that has made navigating through the pandemic personally or professionally more challenging than it otherwise would be? I think it's a you know we have a unique perspective here, and so trying to understand the perspective and the experience and across lots of different cities has been has been a challenge. Um, but but also you know we feel very much like a local business. We feel very much part of part of the fabric of the city. And so, you know, as there have been important conversations, you know, the, the civil unrest and the importance of the Black Lives Matter movement and really being right in the heart of Seattle, you know, we were drawn into those conversations in, 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 in a unique way. Um, you know, watching the news and seeing our store and watching flames reflected in our windows. And, and sitting there and staring at the screen going, is that in our store, is it outside? Is it in our store, is it outside? And, and that, that pit in your stomach is something I won't ever forget. Um, but then also using the challenges of that moment to say, what kind of important conversations do we need to be having as a team? What can we be doing as a company to, to make sure that this is a catalyst for change? And while there are real business implications, uh, what larger conversation do we need to be a part of? And so you're kind of uh, sneaking ahead to where we're going, which is the, the changes in Seattle, maybe outside of the pandemic uh, that mm -hmm. are affecting your business and you personally. But first, uh, new this year, we're doing trivia. This one is, there's another retailer in town and their president, Pete Nordstrom, has been a three-time guest on Seattle Growth Podcast in episode two this season. The question for you is, can you name the year that Nordstrom opened its first store and extra bonus points if you know what the cross streets, what the location was. They just beat us to opening. They were, they were a decade or so, a decade or two ahead of us. So I want to say 1901, 1901 or 1902. Okay, so 1901 is your first guess or 1902 as the backup. And <laughs> uh, bonus points if you can name the location. The cross streets is a good question. This is something that I should, I, I'm a big Nordstrom fan. I'm a big Nordstrom girl. So um, something that I should know. And I, I don't know the answer to that. It's, it's, a hard, it's hard to be put on the spot with trivia <laughs> in the middle of an interview. Uh, and you, I've, other guests have thrown it back at me. So if you have a trivia question for me later in the interview, you're okay. free to do that. All right. Uh, but venture a guess on the cross streets or passing on the... Um. I feel like they were they were over closer to us. I I, I don't know. I okay. don't know. So we'll leave the listener and you in suspense, but we'll get okay. back to that in a moment as to whether you're right on 1901, and then I'll share where the cross streets were. Uh, now let's talk about Seattle changes in general. 
Uh, it feels like the city's been changing kind of constant. That's the only constant I've, I've seen in Seattle is, is change. But these last nine months since the pandemic feels like a, a different kind of transition. Can you talk about the changes that you're seeing and uh, the ones that are affecting you most positively? It is, it's a, it's definitely a changing city. Um, the, the shape of the city, um, you know, when we're, we live in the city and when we're out and about every so often say, okay, let's just take, take a drive around, drive around and see our city. I'm, I'm a huge Seattle cheerleader. Uh, when I went to school, I went to school in, in St. Louis. And when I was there, I, my friends all knew like, oh, you talk about Seattle, you know, Lisa's just going to go off on sharing, extolling the virtues of, of her city. Um, there's something unique about Seattle. Um, and I think the inspiration being surrounded by, by nature and the sense of innovation and, and driving forward. And so right at the moment, I think you'll, you're seeing a lot of our businesses really be innovative and, and pushing forward. That's been the fabric of who we've been as a city and see a lot of that happening. A lot of commitment to that we want to have uh, a thriving city. Um, you know, we've been part of this community for a long time. My, my great uncle, Herb, I think was on the board of every major civic organization in the city, um, had the moniker of Mr. Downtown um, because he was a part generations ago of really saving the retail core in downtown Seattle because it's so important to have a vibrant city. And, and so we're going to be that way again. It's going to look a little different. Um, it's going to take some time for boards to come down, um, but there will be a, a vibrant core to, to our city. And any changes that you've seen or experienced that have impacted you negatively? You know, being closed for a few months is a, is a hard thing for a retail business. Um, it's shown a light on some of the challenges that we have. We have an e-commerce, um, uh, but we, we fulfill from our stores um, in our e-commerce for, for the inventory. So when we closed down, we had to close down our e-commerce for a time as well because we didn't have that, that fulfillment. And so it was, it was quite a challenge to, to go to a full stop as a business. And so, you know, looking at how can we make sure that that never happens again? How do we make sure that if we have to close our doors, if we have to stay at home, how can we continue to operate our business? Um, a, a, a huge, huge challenge, um, but one that we're tackling and, and keeping that focus on personal service and attention to our customers. You know, you, you saw on TV your store downtown and you thought it might be burning. I'm, I'm curious, what is the responsibility of Ben Bridge if it burns and what is kind of taken over by insurance? It's, a, it's deeply emotional at the, and the first part because it's not just a physical place, um, but it's our people's home. You know, it's where we connect. It's where we spend our days. Um, and so it's very, very personal. Um, at, at the base level. And the costs are real. And so is there some insurance? Yes. Um, are the deductibles high? Also yes. And so the costs um, have, been, have been huge. It also impacts, you know, if there were destruction in the store, it also impacts sales and, and being able to operate in that store for however long it takes to rebuild. Um, during the protests and looting, we had half a dozen of our stores impacted um, by damage or, or looting um, across four different cities. Uh, five different cities um, and you know in in Austin Texas we had a huge amount of damage um, you know somebody drove an SUV through the front of our store we hadn't reopened they walked in realized there was no jewelry to to steal turned around and walked out but in the meanwhile created a huge amount of damage it took us 
two or three months to to rebuild. Um, so during that whole time when the store did was able to to open, had to operate at an appointment only basis and and using a side entrance and and so we're happy now to finally have our doors back open. But it's taken us all these months to get there, um, and so. The, the disruption is is really big um, and the impact is really big. And so I want to give you a chance. You've talked about the changes that have impacted you. And now I want to give you a chance to put an ask out for the listener. Is there anything that you would like the listener to do that could help make Benbridge's future and or Seattle's future the kind of future you'd want to see? I think believing in in downtown and believing in human connection and and, connect, and, and connecting to one another. I think that's what this time has shown a light on is how important those human connections are. And that even during this challenging time, love doesn't stop. And, and we're lucky to be in a business that creates joy in the world. And I think that's what we need today more than ever before is to show people that we love them, to make sure that they know that in a really meaningful and durable way. Um, and and that's, that's the business that we're in is bringing that joy into the world with beautiful and lasting connections. So let's transition to downtown then, as you, you mentioned there. What do you see the future holding? Uh, let's, we've had an unprecedented amount of money and people moving into Seattle, reshape the landscape here in the last 10 years. And I'm curious what you think is going to happen for the next 10 years and what you see for the next maybe 10 months. Seattle is going to, to find our way through this. I know there's lots of conversation about people moving elsewhere and, and now being able to work remotely. But I think that there's still a tremendous value in being in the city and connecting uh, personally. And, and the city itself uh, is going to be okay. What we need to do as a city is to create an environment for businesses to thrive. We need to be supportive of, of our business community, our retailers, our businesses, um, because that's what's going to, to make the city successful moving forward. Um, needing to make it a, a easy place to do business, to encourage businesses to stay in the city, to work here, to bring more people to, to the city, um, to, to be a part of, of the fabric of this, this rich community. Do you see downtown as a place that you'll continue to operate a retail storefront? I'm still bullish on Seattle, on downtown Seattle. I believe we're going to continue to, to thrive. It's going to look different. And I think businesses are going to, to think carefully about who's in the office and when they're in the office and how often. Um, but there is something to creating the energy of, of a downtown, of spending time in that, in that kind of environment. And so it's going to, we're going to come out in a strong way uh, moving forward as a city. And uh, so you're bullish on Seattle. Sounds like definitely in the long run, short run, next 10 months. We definitely have work to do. We definitely have work to do. There's a lot of unknowns over the next 10 months and it's going to take time. It's going to take time to, to build back. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a slow progress of, you know, getting a, getting a vaccine and, and making progress on the pandemic and making sure that people feel comfortable when they, when they do choose to come. Uh, making sure that we're creating an environment that people feel safe and secure um, and still brings a, a sense of joy and still brings that, that sense of connection. Uh, and so the next 10 months are going to be, be interesting. Um, as we've seen over the last 10 months, things change quickly uh, and things evolve quickly. And so the next 10 months are going to, going to provide that as well for us. I think that there's going to be a lot of changes over the next 10 months. 
but, but we'll have a new normal. Um, I don't think we'll ever have the same, the same kind of world that we had before. But with all of the innovation, with all of the thought, with all of the energy, we're going to create something much better and much brighter. And so you have Benbridge Jewelers, retail locations in Seattle and around the country, and we've got a devastating pandemic, and it seems that you've, you're coming through this with still a fair level of optimism. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if there's any lessons from your experience that you could share with a business owner, uh, perhaps a retail business owner, who's not feeling the same level of optimism. Any lessons from your experience? The thing that I think has brought us through is being really focused on our values, really knowing at a deep level who we are and using that as the guide to making all of the decisions that we need to make because there are going to be, and there have been, decisions that we never knew we were going to have to make. But if we use our values as our guide, then, then that will help us and put us in good stead to move forward. And so I think each business needs to know on a deep level who they are, what they uniquely offer, uh, and, and being really laser focused on that. And, and that will help be the, the catalyst forward. So we're gonna get to concluding thoughts, but first the listener and you maybe have been on the edge of their seats uh, wondering the answer to the trivia question. And so Pete Nordstrom was a guest, three-time guest on Seattle Growth Podcast, president of Nordstrom, which was founded in, your guess was 1901. You know, now I'm thinking 1905, but you know, there we are. No, stick to your original. Stick to my original? Yeah, that was spot on. Oh, good for 1901. me. 1901. Okay. Nordstrom was founded. Uh, downtown, the first store was in downtown Seattle. And the location was, drum roll please, on 4th and Pike. Oh, I was thinking it was right. Was it 4th and Pike? For the first store, Wallen and Nordstrom, was a shoe store on 4th and Pike in 1901, according to the Nordstrom website. The business grew, and in 1923, the partners added a second store in the U District. Wow. Thinking it was right close by. I didn't realize it was right across from uh, from where we are now. That's very funny. Yeah. And what year did you say Ben Bridge was founded? 1912. 1912. So you mm -hmm. were right just about a decade before mm -hmm. Ben Bridge. Very cool. That's great. Any concluding thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? We're really thankful for for all of our our customers who have been part of our extended Benbridge family, um, who have checked on us during this time, who have reached out after protests, the, the number of calls and emails I received to say, do you need help boarding up? Do you need help repairing? Um, was really incredible. And I think that speaks to who we are as a city. And, and, and we're really proud to be part of Seattle, to have been here for a hundred years. And we're really excited about where we're going to go in the future. And, and as long as we continue to, to celebrate joy in the world, to bring that, that happiness into the world, it's going to be a bright future. Lisa, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank you. Hi, I'm Audrey. Thank you for listening to Seattle's podcast. I hope you care for one another through COVID-19. Please wear a mask and be safe. That was my daughter, Audrey, who asked to share a special message with my listeners. Next up is an interview with successful restaurateur Bernie Garcia. Before we get to the interview, I wanted to share an update on one of my other projects. We've been building a community of current and aspiring product managers through the Foster the Product event series at the UW Foster School of Business. If you want to learn what to expect in different phases of product management from a principal director of PM at Microsoft, how to build better products by working backwards from the customer, from Amazon's 25th employee, or how to choose what not to build from a VP of product management at Salesforce. Join the UW Foster the Product group on LinkedIn. 
From there, you can find recordings of the first events and info on registering for future events. That's UW Foster the Product group on LinkedIn. Foster the Product is more than a chance to learn from established product leaders. It is a community of support for experienced and aspiring product managers. If you want to connect with people and ideas that can help you launch successful products and advance your product career, join the UW Foster the Product group on LinkedIn and sign up for a future event. Now, to hear how a restaurateur adapted to the pandemic, join me in my conversation with Bernie Garcia. I am here with Bernie Garcia, owner and president of Moctezuma Restaurants, which are found throughout the region here in the Pacific Northwest. Bernie, thank you very much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Why don't you start, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then tell me a little bit about your restaurant chain. My family started Moctezuma's in 1978. Uh, My dad founded it. Um, And so I grew up in the business uh, from a toddler to uh, washing dishes, to being a host, server, busboy, all, all of the positions pretty much. And, uh, and then I graduated high school. I went to University of San Diego. I graduated with a business degree. And then I ended up working for a restaurant chain um, down there to see how, um, to get experience to see how a, a big chain operates and is organized. And so, after being there for about a year, I came back uh, to the family businesses. My dad was was kind of going through some health issues, and so um, I was able to implement a lot of the things that I've learned at the restaurant chain, and and basically did a big facelift turnaround of the company um, and rebranded it. Um, new logo, new menu, new decor. Absolutely everything pretty much was, was, was changed around. And so little by little, um, business was growing and it ended up doubling in just a few years. And um, we, at, we ended up um, opening another location uh, that did very well um, in, in a kind of a, a more upscale concept version of, of what we had going. And, uh, and now we're at our fourth location and, and, and just in a few months, we'll be adding our fifth location um, even now, despite this pandemic. And could you tell me where we could find the Moctezuma restaurants? So we're located in uh, the closest one here to Seattle is South Center Mall in Tequila. And we've got one in Tacoma, Gig Harbor, and across the water in uh, across the Puget Sound in um, uh, Silverdale. Now, the, the pandemic has been a challenge for everybody in some way or another. But particularly from the outside, it seems the restaurant industry is quite hard hit. Can you talk about how you've been able to navigate the pandemic personally and professionally? Absolutely. So as soon as um, we got the the order to shut down our restaurants, our dining rooms, um, we immediately went into crisis mode and developed a plan to, we had to lay off our more than 300 employees in our four locations um, and, and just get to the bare bones of, 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 of operations. Um, and, and, uh, we slimmed down our menu. We went to takeout only, uh, and third party delivery. Um, thankfully we have such a loyal customer base and, and we, we've been able, we were able to, to maintain pretty good sales volume, uh, through those channels. And, and we were just in shock to see how many, how many orders we were, we were, we were selling, um, via, via, Uber Eats and DoorDash um, and takeout as well. Um, there were two locations though that just the 
the they're more mall type locations um, because there wasn't much uh, residential around those locations. Um, we we didn't see enough traffic uh, to be able to maintain those open. So we ended up shutting those down two locations for about I would say six to eight weeks. Um, but as soon as we were allowed to open our dining rooms, we ended up opening those. But you know, at the end of the day, we we were very proactive. We did a lot of uh, marketing. We we kept innovating. We came out with awesome, you know, margaritas uh, during that pandemic for for takeout. We 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 promoted it on social media. Um, we've been building our social media and our and our email marketing for. I remember since I was in high school, I, I helped my dad kind of come up with a, a database and a form and a and a club and a, and a way to capture emails because I knew in the future that was going to be a very big part of our our marketing strategy. And thankfully, I, I, I you know it worked out, and uh, we've ha- we have over forty five thousand um, email subscribers who you know obviously goes straight to your cell phone. And, and, and we were able to keep in, keep in communication with them, promote our promotions that we've got going on and the, new, and the new takeout programs that we were doing. And so, you know, the fact that we had all of those emails and on Facebook and Instagram, I think that was a huge, huge um, reason why we've been able to be successful. Also with the innovations that we were coming up with, um, we did this really cool program where we were doing Margarita of the Week. And we had a cool video showing, you know, kind of like build your own margarita at home. And, and that did very, very well. We were, you know, people every week would come out with a new flavor. So it, get, it kept people excited and something fun to look forward to. And, and they wanted to try it, right? So kept this, the repeat business coming. And then what we also did that I think was also very helpful is, you know, we knew that students were were at home they weren't going to school so it just was a big burden for for families and for parents to to have them in 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 their homes all day long um all week long for months and for still even you know and so what we did was we offered a a free kids meal for every adult entree that was ordered via takeout right because we wouldn't be able to do that through a third-party delivery because it just the margins it wouldn't make sense um but because it was only takeout. Um, it, it, we were able to, to offer that. And, and, and it was just a kind of a form of us helping the community, helping our, our longtime customers. And, and, um, and they were very thankful for that. And not only that, we saw what was happening with the hospitals being overcrowded and, and, uh, and doctors and nurses um, just being, you know, exhausted from, from their, and, and, and not only that, but they were just at risk, risking their lives, risking their families' health to, to help the community. And I was like, well, I mean, what, what can we do for them? I mean, they're, they're out there literally risking their lives. So we, uh, we started doing hospital drops to, our, um, to the local hospitals around our restaurants. And, you know, after we did our first one, it, it, which was actually at uh, St. Joseph Hospital, the hospital that I was born at in, in Tacoma, we did a drop for, I think it was about 400 uh, meals. And and the response that we got from that was incredible. I mean, our, you know, f- we put it on social media, um, what we were doing and and the the amount of um, of gratitude that, that not only our customers had, but a lot of the, 
the doctors and and nurses um the the messages the emails the phone calls that we that we got thanking us for what we did was it was just incredible and it was such a great feeling that i was like well we if we got this amount of feedback from from one drop let's keep doing this so we did we we went from doing um one every few weeks to one every every week um and we went to a new hospital every week and we do a big drop and and so many of our customers got so excited about it and they were asking us how they could help so we um we we came up with the idea of you know well you can help how about we're going to keep doing these drops but if you guys want to participate and and donate we'll add more to to the drop that we're already doing so we we ended up um we ended up putting up a a gofundme page for our customers our friends family whoever wanted to donate we ended up raising over twenty five thousand dollars and on the gofundme is like seventy five hundred but we started receiving checks from nonprofits that they wanted to help us as well so it was just incredible um and the amount of of the goodwill that we that we established and i think that all the people that we we helped as soon as we were open our doors um, to the to the dining rooms. We were blown away by how many people you know were just waiting for us to open. And thankfully, I mean, we're very very fortunate that um, our businesses are, are actually doing very well. I mean, despite this 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 crazy pandemic, um, one of our locations has actually been up over last year, which is I can't even believe it. So. It's it's been a it's been an interesting learning experience, but you know we I, I feel like our team is is has just you know stepped up to the plate. Um, we you know when when challenge came to us, we we were ready and and uh, and we we made it happen. Can you distill into maybe one or two takeaways what you would advise another business owner to do so that they could have the kind of success that you've been having? Well, number one is um, you you got to have some cash uh, saved up. You know, you always have to have a little safety net because you just never know, right? You never want to over be over leveraged, um, and and have some have a good amount of capital ready to uh, deploy when 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 these kinds of situations happen. Um, thankfully, you know we we're very conservative. Uh, we're not over leveraged. Um, and, and so that, that was huge. I mean, if we would have been over leveraged, uh, we would have been, you know, not in the same position for sure. Um, the other is diversify, you know, if you have a restaurant, look for other ways of, of, of creating revenue streams. You know, for instance, we, we developed a liqueur brand a few years ago and that, that was, you know, Obviously, liquor sales have have skyrocketed, um, and and so we've we've uh, we've done very well with that. Um, we also are in the process of creating a ghost kitchen concept where it's it's only third party delivery. Um, so we're, that's about to launch here in a few months, and then in, actually in a few weeks. And then we've got um, uh, just other other ways of you know we're, we're talking with another. Uh, grocery chain of of selling packaged food, um, so we're doing that. Um, so yeah, different revenue streams, diversifying, and uh, and having enough 
capital to uh, weather this weather any storm that that uh, comes comes your way. Now I want to shift gears personally. You live here in downtown Seattle. Yeah. Can you talk about any aspects of living in Seattle that has made coping with the pandemic better? To be honest with you, um, it, it, it's been um, I've lived here for three years now and I live right, right in the heart of it, right across from Pike Place Market. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, just, it's, it's gotten super scary around here. Um, I mean, you walk. I'm I'm on f- between first and second. Just one street over is uh, is Third Avenue, and it's it's like Zombie Land. It's scary. I don't feel safe, um, and and uh, you know everything's boarded up. The everything's graffitied. Um, restaurants are closed up. Rest shops are closed up. Um, it, it just doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel safe at all. I mean, even even around my alley, any alley around here is it's it's you know. You got to keep your eyes peeled and you never know what's going to happen because I've seen some really, really disturbing things. And I don't know, it's, it's just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. And is there any aspect of being in the Pacific Northwest that has made navigating through a pandemic either personally or professionally better? The fact that these huge corporations are based here, you've got Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing, and... Um, especially Amazon being so successful through this pandemic. Um, there's just so many employees that, that, that are based um, in the Northwest and, and in neighboring areas and even in the suburbs and where we're down South um, that I think that uh, the fact that their job security and their well-paid jobs, um, I mean, there are customers. And so, you know, thankfully they, even though they're working from home, they're still employed and, uh, and generating, you know, business for for small businesses. All right. So I want to transition. We're going to talk about the future of Seattle, the future of Moctezuma and your business. Uh, But first, new this year, we're doing trivia where you and the listener get to learn some fun facts or uh, prove that you know them. So you mentioned Boeing. Boeing opened on a shipyard on what Seattle body of water and in what year? Lake Union. All right, so you're saying Lake Union, and what year? In 1906. All right, so Boeing was started here in Seattle on a shipyard on a body of water. Bernie says Lake Union in 1906. Uh, So we will get you the answer in a little bit. Uh, We're going to keep everybody on the edge of their seats uh, waiting in suspense. uh, As we now turn gears to the changes in Seattle, what changes in Seattle have impacted you negatively? Well, negatively in the fact that um, walking around downtown was, was, a, was a fun thing to do and seeing all the tourists in Pike Place Market um, was, was fun and, it, and the energy that, that, that you got, that I got from that was, was, was amazing because everybody that would be down there would, you know, most of them would be tourists and, you know, a lot of them were, were excited and, 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 and big smiles and, and, you know, they're on vacation. So, um, so I miss, I really miss seeing that, having that, uh, around and, and getting that energy from that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's changed dramatically. It's, 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 you know, for, for many months, it was a ghost town and, uh, it was depressing. It was, it was, it was just eerie kind of walking around here. Um, and then the fact that, you know, just walking, 
one street over, uh, it just feels unsafe. What about positively? Have you seen any changes in the last nine months or so that have impacted you positively? Positively downtown Seattle, to be honest with you, um, no. No. And, and so much so that I, I'm literally thinking about moving from here because it's just, it's not what I want to be around. And it's, it's not, uh, it's not enjoyable to be honest. Now, what brought me here was, was the energy, the, 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 the establishments, the bars, restaurants, the, the good energy, but a lot of that is just gone, unfortunately, and it's sad. It's super sad. I mean, I, just up the street here was one of my favorite fub places that I'd go once a week, and just last week shut their doors indefinitely. And uh, and that that's happened to a few places around here. And it's just it's it's unfortunate um, that that uh, um, they let this happen. Um, and so you know, it is what it is. And I I, I see the the comeback to downtown Seattle being very, very slow. So let's talk a little bit about the differences here. So as you drive through downtown Seattle, you do see a lot of the small businesses and the restaurants that had served the community for years, if not decades, boarding up their their windows and, and shutting down. Whereas you're now thinking of expanding your restaurant business. Do you see any differences in what's happening where you're operating versus what's happening where you live? Yeah, 100 um, percent. Well, we're we're more in suburban areas. And uh, I think people, you know, I think people are just a lot of locals are just, I think, a little scared to come down here um, for the same reasons that, you know, of, of safety and uh, and just, you know, not just seeing just really inappropriate things, you know, people doing drugs, people you know, walking around with their pants down. I mean, it's, 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 it's freaky. It's a freaky thing. And I see it all every time, almost every time I come out, I see somebody doing drugs and it's just unbelievable that, that, that they can just do that openly. If you could ask the listener something that could help build the future for Seattle, that would make you want to stay here. What would you ask of the listener? The homeless issue, it's the mental health issue. Um, the, the cleanliness and pushing all the, I mean, there's drug deals happening on every corner around here and you see it openly and, 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 and with cops literally just on like a couple feet away. And I just can't believe that, um, it's, it's gotten to that point. Um, I, I just, you know, until, until they make it more safe, until they clean it up, um, you know, that's, 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 that's when I see the city kind of coming back to life because right now it's absolutely dead you said earlier it's going to be a slow climb for uh, a return to what seattle had been before the pandemic can you share a little bit more about what you anticipate for the future of seattle in the long run and maybe in the short run yeah so in the short run um i see that until the large corporations bring back their employees back to downtown um that would be the first step. Once the once the employees come back, then the businesses will be able to reopen, um, whether it's the same ownership or or somebody taking it over. But that's got to be first. You have to have the employees back because there's nobody around here. I mean, there's the residential area uh, condos, but a lot of those people are even are leaving as well. Um, so I, it's not until 
the the employees come back to work to the office um, and then it'll it'll start to climb back from that but it's gonna take some time so until that happens I don't see anything positively happening and uh, until then and do you want to talk about what you see for the future of Moctezuma restaurants here in the region the future of Moctezuma's man we're, we've got a bright future uh, ahead of us we've we've really kind of transformed our business in the last five years in the last 10 years and um, you know we're, we're we're playing around with different um, concepts with the, like I mentioned earlier the concept of a ghost kitchen we're testing out a virtual kitchen right now as well uh, different concept uh, within our four walls uh, of our restaurants and then we've we're also um, creating a, another concept that is a little bit smaller foot, uh, footprint and um, and and layout design um, is going to be obviously impacted um, by by this pandemic. I mean, with with the social distancing and kind of uh, making sure that uh, people feel safe um, because this is going to linger for for quite some time. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we provide the the best dining experience and, and a safe uh, dining experience for, for for our guests to come in and have a good time and kind of you know people going out is 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 a uh, is just it's such a great luxury that we we all kind of took for granted for a while and uh and 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 it just provides such a great experience um and and we're gonna we're gonna be able to um to come out of this situation uh i i think in a really good position and and uh we're we're excited to to stay in the area um, and, and expand um, and, and, you know, provide uh, what we do best. And so do you think restaurants should be doubling down and investing in more space so that they could have social distancing or um, backing up and shrinking so that they're more just serving carryout? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, you can't really go bigger because obviously it's going to be more expensive to operate, but on that same note, you know, um, rental rates are going to have to come down for it to actually pencil and make sense. Um, the rates that the rental rates that uh, were, hap were, were, were going on before the pandemic um, just outrageous and made it made it very, very difficult for um, for a restaurant to 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 be profitable. Um, and so now with with, you know, with the social distancing and, and being able to um, to serve, uh, and, 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 uh, serve less people, uh, with the same square footage, um, it makes it even tougher. Right. So, um, but with the added, um, business from third party delivery and takeout, it, 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 uh, just depends on your market. You know, it, you know, downtown, I mean, I, I'm really glad I don't have a restaurant downtown Seattle. Um, uh, so, you know, we're more in suburban areas, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's all about kind of, it makes you really kind of go back and look at your operation, um, create more efficiencies, um, reduce your, reduce your menu a little bit. So, so you don't have so much overhead, um, just become leaner, become leaner and, and more profitable. And that's, that's, that's how you're going to be able to survive during this during this time because it's going to it's going to be tough but on that same note if you're doing the right things and if you can um if you can pivot and um and and be 
profitable given the situation. I mean, there's going to be so many opportunities for the for the operators that are doing a good job that are and and, and are able to to pivot and 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 be successful during this time, you're going to be more successful at the end of this, I think. And I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts, but first I have to give you the answer to the trivia question. You were right. Boeing was started on a shipyard on Lake Union. Uh, 1916 was the year. Oh, okay. Off 10 years. Yeah, very close though. So now any concluding thoughts? Well, you know, like I said earlier, I think, you know, once employees come back to downtown, um, you know, I think uh, um, it'll start the kind of... uh, revitalization of this area um but you know obviously washington is uh has a lot of amazing companies that are going to keep propelling um this the the economy uh and and you know a lot of great entrepreneurs a lot of small businesses that um unfortunately you know shuttered but i think with you know with good uh government help and and uh and and and, uh, assistance there'll be a, 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 a good resurgence of, of business. But, you know, uh, being, a, being a small business owner is one of the toughest things in the world. And um, it, it's all about um, just being prepared, anticipating potential issues, uh, not being over leveraged, uh, making sure you, you, you have enough capital. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the, that's, that's business 101, right? Like the, the, the number one reason businesses fail is, is lack of capital. And, and uh, so if you start a business, just make sure you're well capitalized and, uh, you know, be ready and always be prepared and, and, and don't, uh, don't over, over leverage yourself because you'll be in, in hot water. Bernie, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Absolutely. Happy to be here. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I enjoy hearing how listeners like you are reacting to the interviews. That's at Prof Shulman on Twitter. Still to come on this season of Seattle Growth Podcast are interviews with NBA champion Wally Walker, the Seattle Kraken's VP of Community Engagement and Social Impact, Mari Horita, and more. Subscribe to the Seattle Growth Podcast in your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single episode. Or find Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show on your local airwaves. I hope you'll join me next week. In the meantime, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the return of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show.